0: Indianapolis might not be the first place you think about when you think about like a gigantic like flourishing music scene but it should be because we know since we know we're under the radar people work even harder to support each other to lift each other up.
1: You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at It's All Dead, and uh, it's an exciting episode today. I'm getting to interview a a bucket list guest for this podcast, (laughs) Kat Copeland of Nuvo. Kat, thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been on a bucket list before, so (laughs) (laughs) it's the best news I've heard all day. (laughs) So
1: I'm going to explain why here in a moment, and... So for everybody listening, we have a lot of listeners, obviously not in Indianapolis. Nouveau is kind of an alternative voice magazine here. It's, uh, it's a really great voice for not only like news and local politics, but uh, for arts and lifestyle mm-hmm. as well. And so I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of a story about how you impacted my life unbeknownst to you. Yeah. When I first moved to Indy, um, one of the first things I did, I was kind of scouting out Twitter, following local voices kind of to get a feel for the city Um, And at the time, I think you were the music editor at Mm -hmm. Nuvo. And so one of the big events for me every year is Record Store Day. Pretty Mm -hmm. much since it started, that's kind of, you know, something that I do as I go out to Mm -hmm. Record Store Day. And so first order of business in Indy is like, where are the record stores? And I remember, I think it was probably that first Record Store Day, you had tweeted out this map of like all the different record stores in the city, along with like little write-ups about what made each of them unique or interesting or whatever. And I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. So, like, it made Record Store Day really awesome. Um, So, thank you for doing that when you you did that.
0: Thank you so much. You know, we sit and we make these little maps and I'm like, is it close enough to where it actually is? And to hear that somebody used it, especially a newcomer to Indy, is my dream. for Yeah, so that
1: was pretty cool. And you must be a big vinyl fan, I would assume. So
0: I am. It's kind of one of those things that if I let myself go truly wild, like mm-hmm. I would be broke and living in the basement of my office. So yeah. I've kind of had to limit myself. And luckily, I do have a lot of vinyl that's shared with me. Um, I currently have a broken record player and okay. need to fix it. So yeah. I'm constantly co-opting other people's. Um, but I'm just, it's one of those things that It's so exciting to see so many people, particularly in Indianapolis, making such beautiful records. Like Mm -hmm. there are places, and uh, I don't want to get off track right away because I know you have questions, but there are places (laughs) here like Joyful Noise Recordings that put out the most beautiful pieces. Yeah, Um, Rominus Records. um, It's just, it's amazing. So it's art.
1: Yeah, it's something that a lot of people don't know about Indianapolis as well. There's a lot of that going on here. Do you have any like, do you have a story about like your favorite record or something that like...
0: Uh, Let me think. So Record Store Day used to be one of the absolute, I mean, it still is. But when I was in college, so I grew up in Indianapolis and I I went to IU. And while I was at IU, I pretty much immediately stumbled into college radio, WIUX. And WIUX, besides being the best student radio uh, uh, station in the entire country, also (laughs) put on a massive free event um, and it almost always cor- uh, corresponded on the calendar with Record Store Day. Okay. So um, we would put on this all-day free concert and have bands from all over the place play. And all of Bloomington, it felt like, came. And then we would get, uh, you know, I'd wake up early in the morning. I'd go stand in line at Landlocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, you know, swing by TD CDs, and LPs, and tracks, yeah. and get the free donuts that they have there. And then spend all day at a, a show. And it was honestly, like... I have had more good record store days than I think any other random day of the year that's yearly. Awesome. It's just it's yeah. such a it's it's one of those days where everyone that you feel like you spend all year talking to on the internet comes exactly. out and you can yep. say hi to them. That's
1: exactly what it yeah. is, um, and that's a great that's like the perfect college experience. Yeah. Um, so two years ago. I spent all night outside of uh, vinyl rescue project down in Greenwood yeah. to get the one copy of Tandu that Yeah
0: <laughs> that he
1: had there. So and it made me ask a lot of questions about my life of like there's a thirty year old man <laughs> no. outside on the sidewalk for an email. That record, sounds but, like a
0: very good decision yeah. though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and hey, you got it. I was it, happy right? with
1: it. So yeah. Um, Okay, so let's introduce you, as I mentioned, uh, editor at Nuvo. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you came into this role.
0: So I grew up a super nerd like uh like the nerdiest of the nerds um i was in marching band and uh regular band and pep band and took piano lessons i was all over music right the thing is i was never very good i just (laughs) loved it and my mom is a music teacher so there was no way i was getting out of it so um i spent a lot of time in high school um you know making music a practical part of my life, playing sure. and marching and all these things. And then when I was in college, I was like, you know, this is so important to me, um, but I'm never going to be a French horn performance major. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I really love to do is write. So I... Um, got a degree in English, um, and history at IU, and then was very involved in, in college radio and then tried to set about finding ways to, to merge music and writing together. Yeah. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of freelancing and blogging through college. And then I happened one day to pitch Nouveau, um, which I had grown up reading mm-hmm. in Indianapolis and thinking about all the shows that I wish I could get into cause I wasn't 21 yet. Yeah. And we'll get back to that later. <laughs> but, um, and thinking, you know, maybe maybe they need a new freelancer and it just happened to be some kind of magical moment in time where they actually needed a new music editor yeah. and my experience lined up there and so um they hired me, a very young nervous college graduate to be their music <laughs> editor and it's been blissful ever since. That's um awesome. in the last year I actually moved into the the editor position. Um and that means that I spend less time focused on music, but I listen to just as much as ever because I need it to clear my head yeah, from all the politics and yeah. craziness. So I'm doing more um, general purpose reporting and editing now, but still music is the thing that I love to edit every day. Yeah.
1: So, How would you describe Nouveau's approach to the music conversation? Totally. What does that look like?
0: Absolutely. So, you know... Uh, Nuvo is a part of this rich legacy of alt weeklies that you know everyone's pretty familiar with—the Village Voice, the Austin Chronicle, Seattle Stranger. Um, you know, it's this um, this specific type of paper that came about you know in the in the '60s and '70s that kind of channeled the zine writing. Um, you know. Uh, uh, rock and roll reporting but mm-hmm. then also with political things sure. and um, comment and environmental coverage is another big area of focus for us so what we try and do is find the band that you should be listening to but don't know about yet yeah. you know when i have a choice between putting um you know the country star who's going to sell out clips on the cover and putting the punk band that's going to sell out their tape release party right. at a 50 person venue on the cover yeah. i'm going to go with the tape release party every time. So what we like to do is, you know, kind of think about what our reader, um, you know, both likes to um, know about that's coming to town and that's coming out of their town. And then also keep tabs on the people who are involved in the music making process um, across the board, not just the musicians, but the label people, the producers, the um, recording studios, um, and then of course the record stores who are, you know, hugely important to the distribution of local music. Every record store in town has a local music section. Mm -hmm. Um, Physical music is having a huge comeback, uh, roaring back in an awesome way. And um, so we kind of just like to uh, run the gamut of things that we think that you should know about.
1: Yeah, well, I know, you know, local, uh, it's obviously goes without saying that that's, that's a passion of what you do and specifically the local music scene. Can you talk a little bit about the evolution Even in the past few years that you've seen here in Indy in terms of local music.
0: Absolutely. So um, the more I do this job and learn, the more I realize I don't know everything. And it's impossible to because we have such, you know, uh, there are so many different areas that I could talk about specifically in Indianapolis. Something I've been fascinated to learn about is, you know, the rich history of... Jazz um, mm. and, you know, all of the famous jazz players that we, that specifically one high school, Christmas addicts churned out, and then how those players impacted people who are still making music today. Right. Um, Indie Jazz Fest is coming up, and mm-hmm. um, it is one of those things that if you want a true sampling of people both like, uh, you know, the, these masters of the form and then, you know, these... Uh, burgeoning people who we'll be talking about for years to come. Like somebody that comes to mind is a friend of mine, Joel Tucker, who is an amazing guitar player. He He's going to, you know, blow people's minds um, as he continues to release records with his brother, Nick Tucker, and the Tucker brothers. And, you know, he came came out of Indiana. And yeah. so we have this, this legacy of jazz in a way that I think that um, not everybody knows about. We also have, you know, just this huge... Um, you know, proto-punk uh, legacy, the gizmos, mm-hmm. um, the uh, dancing cigarettes, um, the last four digits—all these people who made amazing music um, in the the seventies and eighties and are still releasing music. Right. Um, so I've really, you know, I, like I said, I got a degree in English and then one in history, so I'm always fascinated by the history yeah. of it. I think that if you look at the last couple of years specifically, the growth and um, kind of establishment of our hip-hop scene has been really yes. amazing. Um, I uh, I have full disclosure. I did co-host a radio show for several years with this person, but that doesn't mean he's any... I, I would be mentioning him regardless because <laughs> he's fantastic. Oreo Jones coordinated mm-hmm. the third Treece, which, um Music Festival all-day hip-hop in Fountain Square. And the idea, you know... Five to ten years ago that we could flood Fountain Square all day long, every venue, with people exclusively interested in hearing hip-hop. Yes. I I don't know if that would have been on the table. I mean, maybe right. it would have been, but the organizational structure for that, I'm not sure if that would have been there. So, yeah. it's, it's amazing um, the diversity, the history, how we're using that history to um, create new things. Um, yeah. So... Did and that, that answer your question.
1: Yeah, and that <laughs> festival—I think it was just last. Was it, it, two was, weekends it was two ago, weekends ago. Yeah, um, an incredible event. Yeah, and you've got—you know—you talk about indie jazz fest. You've got the newer things happening like that. Yeah. Fountain Square Music Festival Absolutely. is coming up next month. That'll be in a second year. Yeah, it feels mm-hmm. like. There, you know, anytime you read the cover of the the newspapers yeah. or the, you know, you're hearing about the obviously the big artists coming here, but there is a, a groundswell absolutely. of these smaller local festivals that are that are happening. I mean, absolutely. It, it's exciting. Um, but I also feel like I want more and more people to kind of get involved in this. I mean, uh, how how does that
0: happen? 100%. Yeah. I mean, it feels almost, you know, there's almost a festival every weekend. it feels like at this point, Virginia Avenue Folk Fest, which I believe they're changing their name to possibly just be Virginia Avenue Festival because they've gone beyond folk is happening next year. And that takes over, you know, Fledger Place through Fountain Square, um, zillions of our over a hundred artists and you know that was just because a couple guys decided you know i think we should do a yeah. festival um and uh you know that's kind of led to the opening of another record store square cat vinyl mm-hmm. um the success of that festival so and i think that you know Indianapolis might not be the first place you think about when you think about like a gigantic like flourishing music scene but it should be because we know since we know we're under the radar people work even harder to support each other to lift each other up. Rising tide lifts all ships. Um, I think that um, that we should take a second to feel really good about ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And again, you know, the more and more that word gets out about these things, I think the better it is yeah. for the city. You know, talking about music events, something I wanted to talk with you about, and this was kind of the, the I, I was thinking about this for a while, and that's kind of what started even, I think, me reaching out to you because I felt like this you'd be the right person to talk about this. Indianapolis, you know, obviously we've got this... Uh, Things are happening in terms of the local music scene and and festivals that are happening. But, you know, our side, it's all dead. We cover a lot of punk music, Mm -hmm. um, hardcore bands, and a lot of these mid-level tours. um, I've noticed more and more skip Indianapolis. They'll hit Chicago. They'll hit Louisville. They'll hit Nashville. And it, it feels like we're missing out. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of music that we're missing that's not coming through here. And I'm not sure what the issue is because we've got a lot of great venues here. Mm-hmm. It seems like that anytime I go to a show here, it's very rare that there's just not support for it or people mm-hmm. coming out. Um, I want to get your thoughts. What can Indianapolis do to be a better hub of outside bands that want to come through like how how can we get these people into our city
0: this is something I think about a lot and you know I mentioned when I was a you know a kid sitting at Strange Brew in Greenwood reading Nouveau and thinking I wish I could go to these shows it's because I couldn't because yeah. Indiana's liquor laws prevent um, and and I'll have to look up the details to get the nitty-gritty but the way that we uh, can have 18 plus venues is different than some other states it's just easier yeah. um, you know a lot of Chicago venues you know you can go but you can't Drink, get the X on your hands, you know. Right. And um, in Indianapolis and Indiana, we we're just more limited in certain ways. We're also geographically situated, you know. It makes people people know uh, these these tour planners know that if they put a Chicago show and a Cincinnati show, probably people in Indianapolis will pick one or the other right. and yeah. drive to it. So um, it makes maybe a little bit more sense on the tour planning side of it. Sometimes I also think though that one of the big questions that um, we continue to write about and we continue to um you know kind of dive into is how can an artist live and flourish making and make money off their art in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. how can the city support that infrastructure how can we subsidize venues because a lot of those touring bands they might have a buddy who's going to open for them or connects them with a venue or Um, you know, says, like, come here. Like, I know I can get this many people to your show. So if we grow our local music scene even more, we'll have more connections pulling people in. Uh, You know, General Public Collective was a space in Fountain Square that just closed its doors. Um, They were, you know, a center for um, visual art, for sculpture, for performance, uh, written and spoken word. Um, But they also hosted a lot of music. And um, they could not... uh, monetarily um you know stay open um even though there was a huge uh wave of support for them so yeah. how can we how can we make it so these DIY independent venues stay open yeah. and also you know if people are you know making more money um basically what i'm saying is the issue here is economic they can afford to buy more tickets and right. if people are buying more tickets um labels and uh tour plotters and masterminds are going to notice yeah. and so we, yeah, there's some work to do.
1: And it's fascinating you bring up the, the age limit of yeah. venues and stuff. That's something I'd never experienced until I moved yeah. to Indiana. It was a, a total surprise to Absolutely. me. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. I yeah. could spend a lot of time on, on some of the issues with that. But I, and this is going to make me sound like the, the grumpy old man. And I, I hate doing this part of it. But like, you know. It feels like so this year this summer was all about like the big country artists right mm-hmm. coming to clips and stuff and it's such it's so fascinating to me to and I'm not trying to like I don't know get down on country music or something I'm just it seems interesting the juxtaposition between what we just talked about with yeah. this this growing burgeoning Uh, support of local music Mm -hmm. and local venues and smaller artists and people that are kind of passionate about what we've just been talking about versus this complete opposite side of like let's bring in these these huge artists that aren't really you know and that's always going to be the situation in any big city Um, but it, it feels really strange to me at times I guess that we have it feels like there's a pretty wide gap, and I'm not sure if that's just a natural thing that happens because that's just the nature of living in a big city and having a, a diverse audience or if, or if there's something more there.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, I was. It, it reminds me, I was sitting with uh, Dave Lindquist, who is the uh, pop music reporter for the Indianapolis Star, mm-hmm. and we. Um, a lot of times when we review shows together, we end up sitting next to each other because they have the reviewers in the yep. same certain spot, and we were at Tom Petty. And it was sold out. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, every Tom Petty show here sells out. And he was like, you know, I think Tom Petty could play a full week in Indianapolis and it'd be sold out every night. And and I was like, why do you think that is? And he's like, people just... You know, there are just so many country music bands. There are so many people who kind of, like... Just, you know, that will buy tickets for that. And so I think that's why you're just seeing, you know, the demand answered with those country music mega tickets. And I think that, um, you know, the type of person who might say, I'm going to save up to buy this ticket for this big show instead of dividing it into, you know, 10 smaller shows, 10 smaller tickets, it's just a different kind of music consumer. Yeah, Um, definitely. And,. Um, I think that we have some really great, you know, folk and country artists, people who, you know, if you enjoyed the team, Brad Paisley, you would probably enjoy like going down to the the Mel on Friday night for their early their early show, which is country music. So um, I do hope that we can continue to, you know, get the word out about how whatever genre of huge artists you like, you might not know their songs yet, but if you go and see them, you might leave and be interested in, you know, digging in there. I do think that for some reason we have less of a legacy of um a certain type of punk than you know your New Jerseys and your Phillies and your oh, yeah, of course. um and your New Yorks and I think that's because a lot of people who are interested in in making making punk music at a certain time decided to pick up and move you know to mm-hmm. where those scenes so I think it's kind of a self-perpetuating system yeah, in a definitely. certain way and I spend a lot of time trying to convince people that um they can't stay here and make it here, and I think one of the biggest success stories um, that kind of proves that out is um Joyful Noise recordings, which is you know an internationally beloved uh record label that is putting out some of the most innovative. Um, music and, and beautiful vinyl around and you know they have a big warehouse right down in Fountain Square right. so you know why did they stay here because it was right for them because they could do it so yeah. if we could you know keep telling that story and continue to like make that known I was looking something up as as you were mentioning that because um, I forgot the exact name of the band which shows that I need to work on my <laughs> on my memory but I'm looking up the, the Rolling Stone uh, the Rolling Stones opening act
1: Oh, is this when they were out at uh, the uh, racetrack?
0: So, yes. So the Rolling Stones came on part of this massive tour. Um, They played at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Everybody was so stoked. I could not wait to see what the opening act was. It was all kinds of different people from all kinds of different genres. And then they announced it, and uh, the Indianapolis opening act for the Rolling Stones was Rascal Flatts, (laughs) which is crazy, (laughs) but I think just shows that... We are proven consumers of corn fried country right. music, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's just you know I I I can't explain it. It's
1: yeah, not, I can't explain it. No, and uh, and just to be you know totally clear before I rag on like you know big tours, I was out at Clips this summer for Incubus, loved every second of it. Yeah, I was at sure. Banker's Life for Kanye last year, and it was incredible. You so you know,
0: what do you think of that show?
1: I well, um, I wrote a lot about it. Yeah. Um, I thought. You know, obviously it was an opening night for a tour, so it's kind of a dress rehearsal in that sense. Um, I I had some people share with with me some really interesting thoughts. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the spectacle of the moving stage and stuff, but the idea of at the beginning of all the light shining on Kanye and everybody looking up, but then by the end of the show, he was pretty much... And darkness above yeah. and all the light was shining on the people down below. I thought there was a lot there. I I could talk for hours about Kanye West. I, I love and, and hate him just like most people. I, I don't hate him. I yeah. I love him you're and then I get angry when, that's, <laughs> yes. when he does things sometimes, but um no, I thought it was I thought it was just like everything he does very intentional. Yeah. Um if if you're willing to look look into it and mm-hmm. kind of observe it from that angle so um i had a good time i i don't know yeah. I, I feel like you have a no i it.
0: enjoyed it i was so excited i love kanye like i love kanye and i love that album um and it was obviously i was like why did indianapolis get this opening date you right. know it's one of those things that yeah. like we talk about like why certain artists come to indianapolis why they skip us like why did yeah. we get it I have no idea, Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad we either. did. Um, I I remember being so disappointed when he did an encore, being like, was that yeah. it? Yeah. And yeah, it's it like, it's Kanye. He challenges you. You're like, yeah. why? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> where Where were you at? Were you below or above? I was <laughs> above? high. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, was I was as up. well. I had a couple friends down below and I, I kind of envied their experience, but at the same time, I feel like I saw more of the, intense. just the yeah. sprawl of yeah, the whole thing from above as well. So yeah, always, always fascinating. Hopefully... He'll come back around sometime in the future. I believe um, it. Yeah. So do you like your favorite band is playing an in indie? What what venue do you want to see them play? Do you have a favorite venue here?
0: I am one of those troubling people to answer those questions because I have memories of amazing shows in almost every venue in sure. town yeah. um, you know I am pretty partial to uh, the basement venue at Old National Center mm-hmm. um, because it's this beautiful uh, kind of art deco-y space yeah. talking about beautiful deluxe deluxe right. yeah. yeah but um, I've seen so many great shows at the Hoosier Dome so many great shows at um, GPC at the Hi-Fi um, I love White Rabbit I love how you can My friends, I make them crazy because I like to kind of sneak up and around to the side and it puts you right in line with the speakers and it kind Mm -hmm. of can blow your ears out if you're too close. But I just love being able to get close to a show, you know. Um, But was I singing along to every word at Tom Petty at Clips? Yes, I (laughs) was. Of course. (laughs) So I am one of those. I think it's, you know, I'm a sampler. I'm omnivorous. Um, But probably I would say a smaller club like white rabbit or radio radio would be yeah. like my ideal experience. Cause yeah. you're just right there, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's part of what mood you're in. You know, yeah. I, when I'm at a show, I'm usually covering it and taking photos. So like a place like deluxe or Egyptian room is great. Cause the lighting's so good, but you know, there's also sometimes it's just fun to be at a punk show at the Hoosier down. Totally. Or, you know, so totally um, people climbing the rafters. <laughs> right. So let's talk about, uh, 2017. We'll kind of start to come to a close here. Um, there's been a lot of great music so far this year do you have any favorite albums or anything that's kind of stuck out to you this year absolutely
0: well um i made a little list because i I am (laughs) because i was really thinking about it and uh i'm going to talk about um my favorite local stuff if you don't mind because i'd love to turn on some of your non indianapolis listeners um i am just continuously blown away by uh, the strength of our hip-hop scene Mm -hmm. Um, i would direct you to john stance's latest house plants um don't miss anything serious black ever puts out so good um there's this really awesome artist gray granite who's putting out this really conceptual series of albums that like have this whole mythology behind them that um you know is just fascinating and it's yeah. awesome and really um you know high-minded and cool and then of course like i said Oria jones uh had a great record out last year um, Clint Breeze and the Groove is this really awesome um, jazz and hip hop combo um, that features a ton of great players and a really socially conscious commentary on um, you know racial politics mm-hmm. and um, you know life in 2017 under Donald Trump. Yeah, um, and um, I would 100% recommend that. That um, I have been fascinated by. This band, Duran Jones and the Indications out of Bloomington, it just seems like it's this really groovy old school R&B that just came out of nowhere. Just like this beautiful, (laughs) fully formed. I was like, where did you come from? Usually like I've heard a demo or I've seen somebody and it just dropped and I was like, oh, this is perfect. And it also sounds like it was teleported here from 40 years ago. Like, How did this happen? Um, so that is, uh, you know, and he, he has rightly been picked up um, by uh, Coal Mine Records and is touring and is one of those things that kind of just like happens, you know? Like yeah. he just like immediately blows up. Um, and then um, somebody that I go back to over and over again is uh, not from indie but is on Joyful Noise, and that's Kishibashi. I okay. love Kishibashi. Um, and I was a huge fan of the album that came out last year, saw him live at Deluxe. Um anytime you can kind of combine these like, you know, classical elements like violin
1: yeah.
0: and like pop chamber music kind mm-hmm. of, um, I'm just I'm a sucker for it. There's That's been awesome. some really awesome um partnerships between the ISO and New Amsterdam to uh bring people um kind of working in that space like Sunlux and uh, My Brightest Diamond and Juliana Barwick to come and play in Indianapolis at yeah. the <laughs> at the uh Hilbert Circle Theater. Um and I anytime it's it's reminds me, I guess, of my nerdy uh chamber music past. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I'm on board. That's great. Yeah. Well thank you for sharing all yeah. that.
1: Um and speaking of the ISO, we talked about Carly Ray before we started today. Are you yes. are you going to be getting tickets? <laughs> oh my for that? God, so. I will
0: definitely be there. <laughs> you know, in, I was there's all these interesting artists that are playing with orchestras like Evanescence is coming to play with crazy? the ISO, you know? And I was thinking about Evanescence. Who I haven't seriously thought about in like 7 sure, yeah. 10 years. And thinking, you know she does have a beautiful voice and I mm-hmm, bet it will definitely. sound amazing. Yeah. Um like uh, the uh, Airborne Toxic event played with the LA Orchestra. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: Back in 2009, I saw Dashboard Confessional with the Louisville Symphony Orchestra, a show that I went to out of curiosity and ended up yeah. being one of the best experiences. I was yeah. like, this makes so much sense. Yes. So like, now, anytime there's an opportunity like that, I usually totally. like to check it out. So, well, this is great. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us um, and really appreciate even more than that, everything that you and Nuvo are doing locally here in Indianapolis to kind of elevate the right voices, uh, whether it be music or otherwise. Uh, it's it's really refreshing and it's fascinating because I feel like there's an audience. There's The people of Indianapolis don't necessarily represent, I think, what the national perception of Indiana as a whole is m- yeah, my take after absolutely. living here for five years. It's a little blue bubble. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I think that what Nuvo is doing has just been incredible, um, and I'm so glad that Thank we were able to... You. Get you on the podcast. You so.
0: know, Nouveau, um, which I didn't learn until after working here for a year, but is actually a portmanteau of new voice. So yeah. that we're trying to elevate those new voices and get the people who have something to say Great. In, the, in the paper.
1: Cool. Well, keep up the good work, and thanks again.
0: Thank you. Thanks
1: for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.